Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 26 through 28. The Word of God. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you once again for our glorious high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his purity. We thank you for his grace. Lord, we ask that you would turn our hearts to him, to our high priest, to the one who made atonement for us and who now makes intercession for us. Please bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we come to a great and glorious exposition of the fittingness of our great high priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is one of the great themes of the book of Hebrews that Christ's priesthood is exposited. And the book explains what it means for him to offer sacrifices for the sins of God's people. In this passage, the author explains that it is fitting for us to have a holy, pure, and sinless high priest who has offered up himself, thus making a final atonement for sins. This high priest is a perfect son who has not been appointed priest by the law, but by the very oath of God. In Christ, we have a high priest who has been made perfect forever. The epistle to the Hebrews was written to explain to Hebrew Christians why what they had in Jesus was superior to what they had possessed in Judaism. And so throughout this book, you see references to the superiority of Christ to the figures and institutions of the Old Testament. And central to these institutions was the priesthood because it was through the priesthood that God's people were cleansed and pronounced holy and righteous in His sight. It was through the priesthood that sins were atoned for. And thus we read in chapter 5, verses 1-4 through of this epistle, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. 
It was the task of the priesthood to make atonement for the sins of God's people. The priests were to make sacrifices for the sins of the people, but as they themselves were sinners, they also had to make atonement for their own sins. And this system was endless, as each priest would die, and another would arise to take his place, to make sacrifice for sins continually, always shedding the blood of bulls and goats. And as we read in chapter 7, verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. The priests would continually offer an endless series of sacrifices of the blood of animals, only to die and to have their sons take up that same office. This was a system that was instituted through the law when Aaron and his sons were appointed as priests. But the author of Hebrews explains that perfection did not come through the priesthood of Aaron, but rather it was necessary that another priesthood should arise. We read in chapter 7, verse 11, Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron. The priesthood of Levi, the priesthood of Aaron and his sons, was insufficient. Ultimately, it was unfitting, because it could never take away sins. Therefore, it was necessary that another priest and another priesthood should arise. One whose priesthood is superior to that of Aaron and a priest who is most fitting, who is most appropriate, who is most right to be our high priest. And this high priest is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The priesthood of Christ is superior to that of Aaron, and his work as our high priest is sufficient. It is appropriate. It is right. It is fitting for sinners. Thus we read in verse 26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. And this is the first great point of this text. We have a holy high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. As was appropriate to our need, God has given us a high priest who is perfect, who is holy, who is without sin. He is unstained, uncorrupted by the sin that corrupted the other priests. God has given us a high priest who is pure, who is righteous, who is without spot or blemish. He has given us Christ, the sinless Son of God. And thus His work on our behalf will be perfect and will be holy, and will be acceptable to God. And first we see that the author notes that it was indeed fitting. It was fitting, it was proper, it was right. It was appropriate for us to have such a high priest. And the reason that it was so was because sinners need a high priest who is able to provide for their needs. 
They need a sacrifice that is pure, that is unblemished. They need an atonement that is not merely made with the blood of animals. They need a high priest who is capable of making atonement, of making propitiation for their sin. A priest whose work is stained by his own sin is not fitting. It is not appropriate because it cannot cleanse the sins of God's people ultimately. But in what way is it fitting? In what way is it appropriate for Christ to be made high priest for sinners? Well, it was fitting, first of all, that he be holy, as we read here. First of all, it is fitting that we have a high priest who is holy. The priests, according to the order of Aaron, were sinners. No sooner had the priesthood been established than Aaron's sons sinned and offered strange fire to God, as we read in Leviticus 10. And as we read in Leviticus 4, each priest was tainted by sin to the effect that they were required to make offerings for their own sins before they could make offerings for the sins of God's people. Not so the Lord Jesus Christ. The word translated as holy that is used here is a word that often denotes a nature that is pleasing to God. Our Lord is a high priest who is holy, who is perfectly righteous, and who is pleasing to God in His very nature. He is one who expresses the character of God perfectly. He is holy, righteous, upright, and perfect. And it is most fitting for our high priest to be holy because that means that his work will be holy. His sacrifice is holy. And this word holy is a word that is reminiscent of sacrificial language. Whenever the people of Israel made a sacrifice, it is said that it was holy to the Lord, devoted to Him. And thus it was fitting for Christ to be holy as our high priest because He Himself would be that sacrifice for our sins. He would be the holiest sacrifice of all. And then the author notes that Jesus is innocent. He is without guilt or hidden wickedness. There is no deceit, no evil hidden behind wicked ro- or excuse me, white robes. There is no wickedness in him, none whatsoever. No, he is truly innocent, without evil and without sin. Such a high priest is appropriate for us because we need one who is not a transgressor of God's law as we are. We need one who is without guilt of his own and who does not have hidden sin, but who is genuinely pure, who is genuinely undefiled. All other priests were to some extent hypocrites because they were sinners. But our Lord Jesus Christ is not. He is true. He is blameless. And then the author notes that Jesus is unstained. And the word here means pure, religiously and morally upright. We have a high priest who is perfectly uncorrupted, untainted by sin. He is not tainted by the corruption that we possess. Rather, he is free from it. 
And thus there is no sin to corrupt His work. There is no sin to corrupt His perfect sacrifice. There is no sin that stands between Him and His interceding with the Father. Because He is pure, because He is unstained, He can thus intercede on our behalf perfectly. It is fitting for us to have a high priest who is unstained by sin because then He may offer a perfect sacrifice and intercede on our behalf. And then the author says that Christ is separated from sinners. And the point here is that He is unblemished by the ways of the wicked. As we read in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Such a man is our Lord Jesus. Such a man is our great high priest. And because he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, because he remains separated from sinners, therefore he is able to help them. Because he is not tainted by the ways of our sin, therefore he is able to help us and bring us deliverance from them. He is able to give aid and comfort to those needy sinners who come to God through him. It is fitting for our high priest to be separate from sinners because it is only in this way that he can help them. And then the author notes that Jesus has been exalted above the heavens. And this is a clear reference to his ascension to the right hand of God the Father. When the Lord Jesus had completed his work upon the cross and rose again, he then ascended to the right hand of his Father. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that after he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And in 1 Peter 3, verse 22, we read that Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. It is thus most fitting for us to have a high priest who has ascended into the heavens because it is there that He is able to make intercession for us. There He has full access to His Father. There He is thus able to provide for all of our needs at the right hand of God. And it is thus perfectly fitting for us to have a holy and righteous high priest, a perfect high priest, who sits at the right hand of the Father. Because that means that His work as our High Priest is sanctified. You know, just going through each, each one of these attributes, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, we're just repeatedly given this barrage of the purity of the holiness of our Lord, of the holiness of our High Priest. And it is such a great and glorious truth that there is no sin that taints the work of our Redeemer. There is no sin that corrupts the work of our High Priest. It is perfect. 
because he is perfect. His purity makes him the perfect high priest. His sacrifice for sins will be holy. And this sacrifice is the sacrifice of himself. As we read in verse 27, he has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. And this is the second great point of this text. Christ Jesus has offered up a final sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself. This sacrifice was made once for all for the sins of the people through the offering up of himself. The Lord Jesus did not need to make a repeated sacrifice as the high priests of old did. And he did not need to make sacrifices first for himself before he could make sacrifices for his people. No, he made one sacrifice for the sins of his people as their pure and holy high priest. The author notes that he has no need, to, like the whole old high priest, to offer sacrifices daily. For the priests of old would offer sacrifices continually whenever they themselves had sinned. As we heard earlier in Leviticus 4, verse 3, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt upon the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. Whenever the priest would sin and violate the commandments of the Lord, he would have to make an offering for his own sins. And he would have to do this before he could atone for the sins of the people. Because the priest had to be pure himself, he had to be made acceptable before he could make the people acceptable to God. And this was even more the case upon the Day of Atonement. As we read in Leviticus 16, the high priest would offer a bull and make atonement first for himself and then for those of the people. It was imperative that the high priest first atone for himself and then for the people because he was a sinner. As we read excuse me, read in Hebrews 5, verses 2 and 3, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. The high priests of old were sinners and thus were required to make atonement for themselves as well as for the people. But the Lord Jesus had no need to make atonement for his own sins because he had no sins of his own. He was sinless. He was perfect. Just as we read, he is wholly innocent and unstained. He had no sins for which he must make atonement. He needed only to make atonement for our sins. And as the old priests would offer sacrifices repeatedly, continually, daily for their sins and for those of the people, Christ had no need to do this. For he made one single sacrifice for sins, once for all, 
when he offered up himself upon the cross. The old priests would offer up sacrifices constantly, endlessly, for the sins of the people because they could not fully take away sins. One could only imagine what it was like being an Israelite, wondering, when will this ever be enough? We always have to offer sacrifices for sins continually, day in and day out. As we read in Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 4, this system can never, by the same sacrifices that are offered continually every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. There was always a need to offer more sacrifices because the sins were never completely removed. There was a need for another greater sacrifice. And Christ offered up that one single sacrifice for sins. That final sacrifice that was never to be repeated. Made once upon the cross. Upon the cross, our Lord suffered the penalty for our sins. He took upon Himself the wrath of God for all of the sins of His people. Before Christ came, God's people would bring a spotless animal to the priest who would then slay it upon the altar. And as the offerer beheld the animal being destroyed, as he watched the blood leak out, as he saw this this animal being torn apart, he would see God's wrath poured out upon that animal for his sins rather than upon himself. But when Christ came, He took that wrath for sins upon Himself, such that all who look to Him, to all who look to His cross, we behold the wrath of God for our sins poured out upon Him rather than upon us. He is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus paid the price for sinners once for all. And when God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus Christ, it was quenched for them forever. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I say to you, you may never need fear the wrath of God again. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, then you may be assured that He has taken the whole of God's wrath for your sins. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And this sacrifice was of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. The old priests would offer up sacrifices of other living beings. They would slay animals, but they themselves remained untouched. But our high priest made a sacrifice of His very self. He went to the cross and made that sacrifice such that He is both priest and sacrifice. Jesus needed to make only one sacrifice because the sacrifice that He made was the one of Himself. The holy, innocent, 
and unstained high priest. And thus, as the high priest who offers up one final sacrifice for sins, the offering of himself, Christ's priesthood is superior to the old priesthood. As we read in verse 28, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And this is the third great point of this text. The priesthood of Christ is superior because it is the priesthood of the Son. This Son has been appointed by an oath of God and has been made perfect forever. The law appointed sinful, weak men to the priesthood. It appointed men who needed sacrifices just as much as the rest of God's people. But the word of the oath, superseding the law and fulfilling it, appointed the Son. The word of the oath appointed the one who had no need of sacrifices himself because he was holy. And he has been made perfect forever. The author first first notes that the law appointed men in their weakness as high priests. The law was given in the context of sin. It was given in the context of a fallen world, one in which which all men were sinners. The law appointed Aaron as his sons and his sons as priests. But as we noted, no sooner were Aaron's sons ordained than they offered strange fire before the Lord. The point is that the priesthood that was ordained of the law was tainted by the sin of its priests from the very beginning. The priests were sinners. They were weak men. Not so, however, with the one who was appointed according to the word of the oath. The author presents a contrast between two methods of appointing priests. One was through the law, and the other was through the word of the oath. The law contained God's explicit instructions about priests and about their ministry. But what was this oath? We read of the word of the oath in Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And in this chapter, just a few verses earlier, the author uses this point to explain the superiority of Christ's priesthood. In verses 20 and 21 of Hebrews 7, we read, And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. It was not the law, but the very oath of God that appointed Christ. The very act of God swearing, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The word of the oath is superior because it is the very oath of God. The Lord himself has sworn to the Son, and it is this oath that is the basis for the priesthood of Christ. And this word of the oath comes after the law as we first read of it in Psalm 110. 
And as it comes after it, it supersedes it. It fulfills it. It is that to which the law pointed. The law instituted a priesthood of sinful men that pointed to the priesthood of the sinless man. The word of the oath fulfills the law and gives us a priest who is greater, more perfect than any other priest who has ever lived. And this is the point. Our high priest is perfect. He has been perfected forever. He does not possess weakness as the old high priest did. He is perfect, pure, and holy. And it says here that he has been made perfect forever. Now what does it mean that he has been made perfect forever? And what it means is that as our Lord Jesus grew as a man, as he overcame each struggle, each trial, that, each temptation that was presented before him, he defeated every one and became perfect. As we read in Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 10, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord Jesus, as we read in chapter 4 verse 15, was tempted in all points as we are. Yet he was without sin. Which with each successive trial, as he grew as a man, the Lord Jesus grew in obedience. As a man, the sinless Lord over, overcame each obstacle, each new temptation that was presented to him. And as he defeated each one, he became perfect, having won for his people a perfect salvation as their great and perfect high priest. He became perfect, having accomplished the task that God had appointed for him. And as it is completed, the Lord Jesus is perfect forever. He has completed his appointed task of the sacrifice of himself and is now our holy high priest sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He is sinless. He is holy. He is without flaw. And thus we return to the very point made in the first verse. We have a holy, a sinless, a perfect high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the high priest of the Christian faith. And thus I say to you today, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is your Lord. This is your priest. The holy, harmless, innocent one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you struggle with temptation? Do you struggle with sin? Go to your holy high priest who can give you aid, who can give you comfort, who can give you relief. Do you struggle with assurance? Look to the work of your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made an end 
to your sin by the sacrifice of Himself? Do you stand in need of spiritual strength, of spiritual aid? Look to the High Priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made a sacrifice for sins and He now intercedes on behalf of believers everywhere. If you are a believer in Christ, look to Him. But if you are not a Christian, if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have never trusted in Him for your salvation, for your forgiveness, then you do not have this high priest. You do not have any priest. There is nothing between you and the wrath of God. There is no one to take away your sins apart from Christ. There is no way of removing your guilt before God except through Him. If you do not have Christ, you do not have a Holy One. There is no holiness. There is only sin. If you have never trusted in the name of the Lord Jesus, then there is nothing that stands between you and hell. And so I exhort you, if you do not know Him, look to Christ. Come to Him. Look to the High Priest who makes atonement for sins. Look to Him and trust in His cross. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. For it is only through Him that salvation comes. And to all I say, look to Jesus Christ, the great High Priest. Look to Him, to the Sinless One. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. For He is the Savior who has been made perfect forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we just thank You that we have such a great High Priest who is holy, who is perfect, who possesses the very holiness of God, who is God Himself, and yet who is also fully man like us, yet without sin. Lord, we pray that you would turn the hearts of every person here to Jesus, to our great high priest, and that through him you might give us deliverance from all of our sins, whether it is those that which we struggle today or those in need of salvation. We thank you, O Lord, for our Savior. We thank you that he is perfect forever. In Jesus' name, amen.